We're going to talk this morning about uh, membership in a congregation um, because we're going to introduce our new members today um, that have taken our uh, membership class here at Remnant of Israel. Now, this is long, long, long overdue, uh, way, way long overdue, and so uh, significant apologies for that for all who uh, participated in the class. We actually wrapped this class up uh, almost a year ago. Um, and, uh, and then, and, and Rabbi John was leading the class at that time, and of course then he went into the hospital um, and, and eventually passed away. Um, and many events have come uh, along since that point in time. Suffice it to say is um, we, we are now in the place where we can uh, recognize our new members, those who did complete the class almost a year ago now. And, uh, and I am so, so excited to do that. Um, so uh, before I... Um, introduce them before I uh, walk through some of our statement of faith. I just want to talk about the idea of congregational membership and its importance this morning. Um, so we're going to specifically talk about that within a local congregation um, in the community. And uh, Takoon founder uh, Dan Jester, um, in his book Growing to Maturity, which uh, we use as our training manual of sorts for our membership class, um, he tells us that the congregation of Yeshua is central to God's purpose. The congregation of Yeshua is central to God's purpose. And he says that, that Scripture makes it abundantly clear that God desires to, to manifest his life and his reality through a community. And that love and justice are demonstrated in relationships among people, in community, in mishpacha. And, and this really was made clear for us throughout the Tanakh as God established Israel as his people, and it's really clear throughout the Brit Hadashah as he adds in the congregations of Yeshua about his wanting, his desire, his plan to build communities. And, and we really see that too in Matthew 16. Um, I, I mentioned this last week when I was uh, speaking on, on the Holy Spirit. And, and as we, before we walked through Acts and, and looking at the, the giftings of the Spirit and, and, and how they progressed, we talked about the purpose of that was because Yeshua said he was building his congregation, his community. Um, in Matthew 16, verses 18 and 19, um, when they are, they are, uh, and Peter, Peter is, is confessing that Yeshua is the Messiah, and Yeshua responds to him and says, uh, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Also, I tell you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my community. And the gates of Sheol will not overpower it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you forbid on earth will have been forbidden in heaven. And whatever you permit on earth will have been permitted in heaven. So some of your verses say to bind and to loose in those, in those verses as well. Um, he's talking about the congregation there, though. He's, he's talking about something about a congregation. He says he's building his community there. Right? He... His purpose, his intention is to build community. And so he's using judicial terms again when he says that. And he talks about binding and loosing, the power to uh, forbid and the power to permit. And, and using those terms, terms about our behavior, right? For, forbidding behavior, permitting behavior. And then in Matthew 18, just a couple chapters later, he talks about, and we're going to get to this in a little bit, but he talks about how this authority is to be exercised, right? Um, how he gives the congregation power 
to defeat the forces of the adversary, to bind them and to loose them, to, to permit them and to allow them and to, and to deny them. And he does this within the local congregation. And that the congregation has the power of forgiveness as well, the power of restoration, the power to help bring about new life in people. So that's some aspects of the congregation that Yeshua talks to us about directly in Matthew 16 and in Matthew 18. And then another aspect we see, and this isn't like specifically about congregation, but about the body of Messiah as a whole, is in John 17 when he talks about oneness. And Yeshua prayed that we would be one as he and the Father are one. And so we know that Yeshua desires us to be one, that he that the success of the good news is dependent upon our oneness in the body of Messiah at every level, okay? So this goes, starts with us individually and in our families, right? And in our congregations and then in the universal body of believers that, that he is calling and praying for our oneness. And every believer, though, is called to be part of a local expression of this oneness, a local expression of this body. And that's what we are called to do, though. But there are some people who don't really desire that. They don't desire to have that oneness that Yeshua prayed for. And, and Dan, in his book, um, Growing to Maturity, again, that we use, um, on page 104, and I want to read this to you. I, I wrote this down in my notes here. Um, he talks about this. He says that an attitude that is destructive to God's plan of manifesting himself in congregations is that of a freelance uncommitted believer. So then he, he, he names a freelance uncommitted believer and then he gives it a name. He calls them a, a gypsy believer. Now, whether or not, I don't know, is gypsy a good word that we can use? <laughs> Maybe it's not. Not a good word? So I won't use it then. He used that in his book though. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna I, I wondered about that, but I wasn't sure. So thank you for the correction. I received that. And, and, and I will say that it's a freelance, uncommitted believer, somebody who's not committed to the congregation, okay? And they move about from congregation to congregation without any desire to build anywhere in specific, okay? Um, you know, it is a good thing to... He, he says it's good to be acquainted with other communities, but those who are not committed, they miss the benefits and the disciplines that God ordained throughout the body. And God desires to build us into a people who know one another and who serve together. And only the stable interaction of a local community, in that stable interaction of local community, can we become what God desires. So the uncommitted believer becomes confused after going from place to place, and they often become critical of many local bodies, and they judge people for what they're doing or not doing within their own congregations. But the reality is, is that God does, has his timing for doing different things at different times in each congregation, depending on what that congregation needs and is serving in in that point in time. That not everyone is the same in every place around the world or even in the same city at the same time. And so, and so people who might hop from congregation to congregation or who remain loosely attached, um, they, they don't see all of that. They don't understand all of that. But what Dan writes, he says that love begins with those that we walk with daily and weekly. Love begins with those we walk with daily and weekly. He says, he goes on to say, how sad that some profess a love for the universal body when they're not able 
to love any local people of God. The attitude produces no real solid commitment to a local body is destructive, he says. And then he, then he goes on to say, today it's common for people to say that they don't believe in organized religion or institutional religious life. And he says, this is so foolish. And little thought reveals what's being said. Basically, they're saying that they don't believe in the hard task of building community with other believers under a recognized leadership. Yes, this is not easy because people are people with all of their weaknesses. However, anything less is not biblical. So that's the end of what Dan writes there in his book, Growing to Maturity. Anything less than that is not biblical. And, and I, I want to read that, and I read that to you, I'm, I'm going to say, because it's important to recognize and state for us that building community, it is hard. Building community is difficult to do. And it becomes even more difficult when those in the community remain loosely attached, when they remain shallowly committed. Then it becomes even more difficult to build community. And I think there's a lot of reasons for that type of an attitude. I'm not going to really address those to say, other than I really do agree with Dan, that it's an unbiblical attitude insofar as any examples that we see anywhere in Scripture of, of our commitment to a congregation, our commitment to the, to the body of Messiah, and, and it takes for granted, too, to me, it takes for granted the hard work that was done a generation or two before you arrived, before each one of us arrived, to give that foundation that we enjoy today. It takes that for granted. The foundation of community, we have to realize that that foundation can crumble if we don't maintain it from generation to generation. That can crumble. We have to maintain it, and we have to build upon it, and we have to pass that on from generation to generation. So, when we're committed to a local congregation, when we're decisive in maintaining that foundation of community, then we build covenant with each other. And that's another word I want you guys to hold on to, is this building of covenant that we do with each other. We do that in local congregational membership. We build covenant with each other in congregational membership. And so, I will say, though, that the idea of congregational membership it's not explicitly stated in Scripture, okay? You can't point to a chapter and verse that says, you shall be a member of a congregation. Like, it doesn't say exactly that. But there are so many examples of being part of a congregation, of being part of a community. And they, so they infer that idea. They express it so well. So I wanted to point to five of them today. Five examples, and these are all in the New Testament, but they support the idea of congregational membership. And every one of these ideas that I'm going to share with you, they reveal something that would be missing, or something that would be denied, if there was not a definable local congregational membership. And I want to emphasize definable, because I'm parsing between those that are committed in covenant to one another, and those that are loosely attached to a congregation, okay? So that's what I'm parsing between when I say definable. So of those five, five ideas that are presented, the first is that the local congregation is to discipline its members and use healthy correction. The local congregation, one of the jobs is to discipline its members and to use healthy correction. So local congregational membership is implied by that. 
by the idea that we're supposed to discipline. So this goes back to Matthew 18. Matthew 18, 15 through 17, when Yeshua taught about this, he, he talked about the congregation. He used the word ekklesia in Greek. In Hebrew, that's kehila, the congregation, the assembly. And in this passage, it appears to be the final court of appeal in matters of local congregational authority as it relates to membership. It says there in, in eight, chapter 18, verse 15, it says, If your brother sins against you, go to him and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained a brother. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you, that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the congregation. And if he refuses to even listen to the congregation, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. So this is talking about how you deal with sin in your life one person to another. And, and the passage begs a question for us, that if there's no local congregational membership, how can you define the group that's going to take up this sensitive matter? This is a really weighty matter that's happened here in, the, in this example. How are you going to define the group that's going to take this up when there's, a, there's an unrepentant person that needs to be exhorted, that needs to have a judgment renter, rendered in this place, where there's a person standing before you? Who defines the community? Well, this implies that there is a defined community there. It's hard to believe that anyone showing up who just claiming to be a believer is going to be part of this gathering, right? It's not just anybody. This is a defined community. This is the congregation. This is a definable group that handles heavy things together, that comes together to handle these things. So we have to know what it means when we say, take it to the congregation. Who's the congregation? It's the members of that congregation, those who are committed in covenant to each other. So there's one aspect of judgment there, but there's also the aspect of restoration that we know of. There's the aspect of restoration and, and back to the congregation. So if you're not a member of the congregation, you're not part of this, you're going to miss out on the joy of seeing someone restored. That joy that comes when someone is restored, and you miss out on that, that restoration business that God calls us to, calling someone back to fellowship, back to leadership, that moment can be one of the best memories that God gives us eventually, that, that excitement and that joy that we have together. And we miss out on that if we're not part of the congregation. We're not a member of the congregation. We're not committed in covenant to each other. But this also talks about and, and demonstrates for us a level of accountability with each other too. So I want to highlight the word accountability, mutual accountability in the congregation. Okay, so, you know, just the idea that I know that my brothers, my sisters are going to check in on me, right? That they're going to, they're going to help me kill sin, praise God. They're going to help me with that. They're going to help me pursue joy in Messiah, praise God, that they will, they will push me in that direction. They will edify me in that direction. And you know what? Praise God, they're going to remove me if they have to, too, if I fall so far that they will, they will do that to me. And they will remove me so that I can get to a point where I need to be restored. That's so important to know. That's a blessing to know that I have that available to me within the congregation. But somebody who never commits to a congregation, 
they hide from that level of accountability. And they don't have it available to them. But this is what the Bible calls us to. And it's, it's a blessing that they're hiding from. Accountability is truly a blessing when we think about it in the terms of holiness and purity that God calls us to. And so someone who's not a member of a congregation is hiding from that. But the Bible calls us to mutual accountability in the local body of believers. He calls us to make covenant with one, one another in that way. And it's really just implied by agreeing to hold each other accountable, to walk with each other in a manner pleasing to the Lord. So this doesn't mean that we're ever going to be perfect, right? This whole accountability business, it doesn't mean we're going to be perfect, but we all still sin. But congregational membership calls us into that, to hold each other accountable and to render judgment within the congregation in covenant with each other, and then to restore those who are repentant and willing to be restored, that we are to do that as well, and that's part of accountability as well, that we do that. So that's the first one. The first idea is that local congregation is to discipline its members with healthy correction. And the second one is related to that, and it's the fact that, e that excommunication even exists. Which, so this idea that excommunication exists implies the, the need for a local congregational membership. Because how can you put something, somebody out of something when they're not a member of it? Right? This makes me think of like the movie uh, The Sandlot, and they're, they're having their little camp out in the, uh, in the, in the fort, right? And, and the guy's like, hey, you want a s'more? And he says, how can I have a s'more? Something I haven't had anything already, right? <laughs> how can you be kicked out? How can, you be kick, how can you be excommunicated from a congregation that you're not a part of to begin with, or that doesn't exist to begin with, right? Um, in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, uh, verses 12 and 13, Paul, the Apostle Paul, Rob Shul, he's writing to the congregation in Corinth, and he, he deals with the necessity of putting, out some, putting someone outside of the body, and he says, what do I have to do with judging outsiders? What do I have to do with judging outsiders? Is it not those inside the congregation whom you are to judge? God judges those on the outside, and then he says, purge the evil person from among you. Purge it. Put them out. There's implications there that they're that there is a congregation, some, there is an in-the-congregation group, and there is an out-of-congregation group, and so the local congregation there is defined, and they can put someone outside of that congregation. It's a, it's a definable group of people, that congregation is, okay? So such a force, formal removal in this case, it would not be possible if there's no such thing as a clear membership in a body, that you couldn't do that if there was nothing to remove them from, if it didn't exist. Right. There's not an accountable part of the body, then what, what does somebody remove from? I don't, I don't know how to answer that question without having a membership in a congregation. So that's the second one. Excommunication exists. The, the third one is that believers are required in Scripture to submit to their local congregational leaders. So it's implied in this as a biblical requirement that that believers are submitted to a group of congregational leaders or elders or pastors. And the point here is that without membership, who is it that the Scripture is referring to who, who must submit to a specific group of leaders? Who, who are those people? Um, I, I don't know, you know. There has to be some sort of expressed willingness or covenant or membership commitment, you know, that, uh, that precedes a person's submission to a group of leaders. Um, the Bible talks about this in, 
in uh, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17, where it says, Obey your leaders, submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 5, 12 through 13 says, We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you to esteem them very highly, to esteem them very highly, in love because of their work. And then 1 Timothy 5, 17 says, Let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and in teaching. So there's three examples of, of Scripture pointing to the fact that there are specific leaders over a group of, a specific defined group of people. So that, again, there's like that begging the question, how is this leadership and this submission process going to work if there is no membership defining who has made that covenant commitment with each other and, and to, be, to be led and who those leaders are? So if we downplay the importance of membership, it's difficult to see how anybody could take these commands of submission and to lead seriously. So that's the third one is that, there, that believers are required to submit to local congregational leaders. And, and the fourth one of the five is, is related to that one. So this is like an offshoot of the third idea in the same way that the first two ideas are related, the two sides of the same coin, and that's that shepherds are required to care for their flock. Okay? So shepherds are required to care for their flock. Local congregational membership is implied in the way that elders are to care for the, those who are in their charge. You know, of course, elders can care for anybody, and, and we should. I should care for anyone um, within the limits of my ability, but... The question is whether the Bible tells elders, whether the Bible tells elders whether we have a special responsibility to look after a particular group of people. And it does tell us that. Um, Acts twenty twenty eight. If you go there, this is uh, where Paul he's on his way back to Jerusalem, and he uh, calls the elders from Ephesus to him. And, and he says to them, Take care of yourselves and all the flock of which the Ruach HaKodesh has made you overseers to shepherd the community of God, which he obtained with the blood of his own. So he says, Take care of yourselves and all the flock. So this, this verse doesn't say that, you know, elders can't visit unbelievers or people who are not yet members, not yet believers. Um, but it does make it clear that our first responsibility, the first responsibility of us as elders is to a particular flock, to a particular group of people, okay? It says shepherd the flock, right? That we are to shepherd that flock, to, that we are to care for it. First uh, Peter chapter 5 also speaks to this in verses 2 and 3, where he talks about shepherding the flock. He says, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, not, he says, he says exercising oversight not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would love you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to your flock. So he's saying that we shepherd the flock by being examples to them. And, and that, Peter, that, that statement that Peter's making there about being examples and caring for those in your charge implies that elders actually have people for whom they're responsible for, a specific defined group of people for whom they're responsible. And Again, that's just another way of talking about membership right here. It's just another way of, of saying membership there. And if, if a person does not want to be held accountable to a group of elders or pastors um, and, or to be held in, in special focus or special care by them, then 
they're going to resist the idea of membership. People who don't want to be held accountable, people who don't want to be cared for specifically by a group of elders, they will resist the idea of membership. But I will say, I will say that they're resisting what God has defined and what God has planned as a way, or he has appointed as a way to live. That God has set this structure up as a way for us to live and to be sustained in our faith. So, you know, I mean, as good as online preachers are, and, and you know, I listen to some on occasion, they do not and they cannot keep watch over our souls. They can't. They can't do it. Online teaching, um, podcasts, things like that, it, it, we, can't, we can't do that online. So even those who join us, just join us online on our live stream or just listen to our podcasts, um, I might be in that same position. I can't be a shepherd over those people in the same way who, who do that for us, who do that with us. So even, even if we attend one congregation as well, but we have not really placed ourselves under the leadership of that congregation, then pastors and rabbis in that congregation, they can't carry out their duties. They can't carry out what the verse demands of them, that, that to really care for people. It, it is really hard to care for someone who is sort of wishy-washy, loosely attached, and kind of there, kind of not there. It's, it's hard as a leader to, to do that. But if we commit to the congregation, we have a blessing of leaders watching over our souls. And that is awesome. You know, I, I love that idea that, that we have that blessing with each other. And when we skip that, when we put off membership in a congregation, we surrender that depth. We surrender that durability and that shepherding and that care that we should have, that we should enjoy. It's, it's a, it is truly a blessing that we skip out on. And, and, and it disappoints me when we are unable to do that for each other um, in, a, in a congregation when I see people that are just kind of hanging on the periphery and, and not really ready to get involved. And that kind of brings me to my, to my next point, and I'll kind of sum up with this, is that the fifth one is, is the metaphor of the body that's used in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Um, this idea of the body, this, that's where the member comes from. When you think about member, you think about a member of your body, like your hand, your foot, your eye, your ear, right? Um, that's imagery, right? Um, the imagery behind the word member. And in verse 12 of 1 Corinthians 12, it says, just as the body is one and has many members, right? All the members of the body, though many, are one body, as it is with Messiah. And so we have that imagery of, of a physical human body that's made up of many parts, many members, right? And Paul's using that to talk about the congregation as a whole, of members in a body in 1 Corinthians 12. So the question is, who intends to be treated as a hand, right? Who's going to be the foot or the eye or the ear? Um, we don't know what all of our roles are, but we are part of a body, right? And we will define, and as we, as we become part of a body, those roles will get defined. As we attach ourselves and as we make covenant and be part of that body, those roles get defined within us. And we have that organic relationship, that unity, that oneness, because we are part of the same body. And there is that same spirit within us, the same blood of Yeshua that's flowing through us, through all parts of the body. But really, there's something unnatural about someone attaching themselves 
to a body of believers and not being a member of that body. You know what the word for that in nature is, right? It's a parasite. Someone who's just living off of the benefits of a body, but not really attaching themselves to it, not really being a part of it. They're, they are attached themselves to it, but they're not, they're, it's loosely attached, and, and it's not really a member. It doesn't belong there. It hasn't made themselves belonging. It hasn't built into covenant with them. So there's five ideas, five reasons uh, why we here at Remnant of Israel believe that membership is a very biblical expression, a very, very biblical expression for all believers, and that everyone should be a member of a, of a local body of believers. You know, we should, as I said, and I'll summarize this, we should take responsibility to discipline those of a body who do not repent, right, from public sin that brings reproach on the name of Messiah. That's one of our jobs in a congregation. That's one of the jobs of members, okay? We should declare ourselves, too, that we should declare ourselves to be part of the body, that, so that if we're wayward, that we ourselves would be liable, that we ourselves would be corrected, that even to the point of exclusion, okay, that, that we should declare ourselves to be part of that. Number three, we should take our position under leadership, under authority of elders in a congregation. So even if you're not part of this congregation, and I think everyone here is or is on the way here, but maybe you're a part of another congregation and you're just visiting here today, that you should be under the position and authority of elders in another congregation. And you should take that position and declare for that you should declare yourself to be part of a group who expects to be watched over and cared for by the particular group of elders, by those who are in charge. And, and the last one then is that we find ourselves in this organic unity in the body, that we have a, a part in the body, that we are a member, that we're not just sort of loosely attached like a parasite, but that we are really truly contributing to the vital health of the body of Messiah. That's what God's plan is for us. That's what God's plan is for his body. And that's what we mean by membership in a body. And so all of these aspects of membership, they're rooted in the truth that the local congregation is an expression of the universal body of believers. The local congregation is an expression of the universal body of believers, okay? So the local congregation does not exist as like one person by themselves in their living room, okay? <laughs> that's, that's hard to be a local congregation. It's a, it, it means that it's a group of believers, right? And part of that is belonging to the body of Messiah and belonging to a body, okay? A local body. Now, maybe you want to say, okay, you know, okay, I believe that, I agree. The Bible says all this about being part of a community, about giving yourselves to ministry and things like that, to receiving ministry, advancing the cause of the gospel, um, Maybe you say you agree with that. Then to say that you're a part of that, but then without agreeing to be in covenant with that, to me, that just doesn't line up, okay? To say that you agree with what the mission of the body is, um, that what the Bible says about the body, but then not saying, saying nah, I'm not willing to sign up, but I'm a believer. Yeah, I believe in Yeshua, but I'm not willing to sign up to that. Um, I think that that's not really a biblical conviction. I will just call that out and say that's probably an American conviction, okay? That's a Western conviction. That's a 
independent, I need my elbow space, get out of my face, conviction, don't judge me, conviction, okay? That's what that is. So I'm just encouraging you today that we all need to be part of a membership of a local body. You know, there is no sentence in the Bible that says, thou shalt be a congregational member. The, the implication is all over the place in the Bible, though. It's all over. Um, and, and we need to understand that, that it's, that it's clear. And, and we want to be saying that when we are here, when we're in this place, until God leads me otherwise, these are my people, and I'm committed here. That's what we're saying when we say, I want to be a member. These are my people. I'm committed here. Well, God has me in this place, in this city, in this area. These are my people. And God has me here, and I am committed here. So I'm going to close today. And, I, and can somebody go get Annette from upstairs, please? And you can bring the kids down, but I need Annette. She's the teacher, so you've got to bring the kids down too. Um, th thank you. I want to close today by urging you to pray, okay? And, and think about this through in your own life. Um, if you were not part of the membership class, you're not already a member here, um, think about being a member here. Think about this for your own life. Because the Bible doesn't tell us, doesn't have any examples of believers who are not accountable to, to a local congregation. So this idea of like uh, an uncommitted believer, a lone ranger believer maybe, is that a better analogy? Lone Ranger? You know? <laughs> is, that, is that offensive? <laughs> oh, yeah. Not, not great, huh? Just going to stumble over this one here. Lone Wolf. There you go. Could be a lone wolf. That idea, it really is contradictory to what the Bible tells us, because becoming a believer in Yeshua, it means being united in Messiah. That's what it means. It means being united in Messiah, and union with Messiah expresses itself in union with a local body of believers. It really, truly does. And it, so it, and it seems to be that if you're excluded from the local congregation, you're excluded from being a part of Messiah. That's why it's so important. This issue of membership is so important. And so the question for all of us here is, are we accountable to a local congregation? Right? Are we accountable? And it's not just, is your name somewhere? But are you committed to that? Are you committed to discipline within the congregation? Are you committed to being disciplined according to biblical standards? Are, have you publicly declared your, will, your willingness to be shepherded and to be led by leaders of a congregation? Do you see yourself and your gifts as being an organic ministering part of the body where you are contributing to the outflow of the gospel in this kingdom, in this community? And do you show that firm commitment and that firm attachment to Messiah's body in the same way that you are attached to Messiah? Do you show this? Do you show this attachment? Do you demonstrate it in how you are attached to your community? And, and specifically, we're talking about here at Remnant of Israel. But I'm also talking to those who might just be visiting or might be watching this online. We have a lot of people who listen and watch online. And, and my encouragement is that everyone is part of a local community. You know, we'd love for you to be part of that community here at Remnant of Israel and to join in what we're doing here. 
This is so important. Congregational membership. This is a blood-bought gift of God's grace. God gives us his grace in being a part of a congregation, to being a committed covenant member of a congregation. And more than most of us realize, it really truly is life-sustaining. It is life-giving. It is faith-strengthening. It is joy-preserving, this, this idea of membership. It really truly is. It is God's mercy on us to give us all of these things and the benefits that come with being a committed part of a congregation. It brings us oneness. It brings us confidence. It brings us trust with each other. It brings us stability that's otherwise is not available to us. So I really, I, I'm just urging you and, and, and exhorting you to receive the blessing. Receive the blessing that is congregational membership. So I wanted to just start with that today. And then I want to, to read to you what remnant of Israel's uh, statement of faith is. When we have, a, we have a covenant of members that each new member signs. So I have a stack here of the covenant of membership here. I have this stack here that has, and I want to read this to you. If what a covenant, what covenant the members are agreeing to here at Remnant of Israel. What are you signing up to? And this is really a statement of beliefs. A statement that you are in oneness of beliefs here at Remnant of Israel. So it starts with your name. Now, I enter into, affirm, and agree with the following statements of faith. Come here. Why don't you go back to Mama? Okay. Yeah, there you go. Number one, <clears throat> I believe that the Bible is composed of both the Tanakh, which is the Torah, the prophets, and the writings, and the Brit Hadashah, the New Covenant. I believe that it is the only infallible and authoritative word of God and the source of our faith and our practice, according to 2 Timothy 3, 15 through 17 and 2 Peter 1, 20 through 21. That's the first statement of faith that we agree to in our covenant. Number two, I believe that God is echad, one. As, I, as declared in the Shema found in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4 and Mark 12, 29 through 31, a united one, a compound unity, eternally existent in three persons, in Isaiah 48, 16 and 17, and Luke 3, 22. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Also referencing Proverbs chapter 30, verse 4. So that's a belief about God being one and the triunity of God in his existence. The third belief and statement is I believe in the deity of Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah, that he is the seed of the woman as promised in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, and that his virgin birth is a sign to Israel, that he is the Messiah, as stated in Isaiah 7, 14, John, Isaiah 9, 6, John 1, 1 through 14, and Philippians 2, <clears throat> 5 through 11. The fourth statement in covenant membership at Remnant of Israel is, I believe in the Messiah's sinless life, his miracles yesterday and today, his substitutionary death on the cross as our atonement, his bodily resurrection, his appearance thereafter in Jerusalem, his ascension 
1 Thessalonians 4, 16 and 17. His personal future return for believers in Yeshua, both dead and living. His future establishment of his kingdom on earth in Acts 2, 23 through 33. So that's our fourth statement is about Messiah's life and his return for us. The fifth statement is, I believe in the deity and the present ministry of the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit, by whose indwelling the believer is the, by whose indwelling the believer is enabled to live a godly life. The referencing verses for this are Ezekiel 36, 26 to 27, Joel 2, 27 to 29, and 1 Corinthians 3, 16 and 17, as well as Galatians 4, 6. All right. That's five statements. Um, the next statement is that uh, I believe that the Jewish people, according to the flesh, the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, who placed their faith in Israel's Messiah, Yeshua, have not disowned or separated themselves from their race and Judaic heritage, but rather are now, as never before, true sons and daughters of Israel, according to Romans 2, 28 and 29, and Romans 11. The next statement is that I believe that the only means of being cleansed from sin and gaining salvation is by grace through faith in Yeshua HaMashiach, by, those who's, by, by whose shed blood, sacrificial blood, we have the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit in Leviticus 17, 11, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, and Hebrews 9, 27, and 28. Two more statements that we are agreeing upon in covenant membership is that uh, I believe that all men have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 3.23, that Yeshua died to pay the price for that sin in Romans 5.8, and those who confess Yeshua as the Messiah shall be saved, as it says in Romans 10.9-10 and, and Romans 1.16. And the final statement in the covenant of members is that I believe in the tevila, or the immersion, of believers. And we have a, a mikvah right back here for those who would like to be immersed. I believe in the tevila of the immersion of believers as commanded by scripture as an outward sign of the inward salvation experience symbolizing the death, burial, and resurrection into the newness of life as it expressed to us in Romans 6, 3 through 7, Matthew 3, 16, and Matthew 28, 18 through 20. So that's the covenant of statement of faith that we agree upon. Now, <clears throat> there's a lot more to our membership class. We didn't just go through that covenant and read through those and say, do you guys all agree with that? Good. All right. Sign on the dotted line. No. <laughs> okay. It's not what we go through. Um, there's so much that we talk about. Um, for many people, it's about, wow, you know, maybe I, I grew up in a synagogue and Yeshua and, and he's brand new to me. And I need to learn what it is, who Yeshua is. And a lot of that is what's covered in this covenant. But there's many others who are then saying, wow, you know, I didn't grow up in the synagogue, but maybe I was raised in a church, whether uh, dedicated or somewhat in, in a church, but that's more my basis of familiarity. And I'm coming to that and coming to Messianic Judaism and saying, well, what is this all about? What is Messianic Judaism all about? And having to learn and about what that is and and how we are that that uh, 
it's sort of an interesting blend. I'll just put it that way. <laughs> sort of an interesting blend of those who, have, have, who are, you know, worshiping on Shabbat. Not, it's not simply Jewish people that are adding Jesus, right? I, I mentioned this in uh, Eileen's uh, Bat Mitzvah. We can't just add Yeshua. We can't just add Jesus to anything. He changes everything. And, uh, and, and we are worshiping him though, in the context of the Jewish faith, and that's something that people that are coming out of the church might not have a lot of context for, and so we need to, we need to teach on that, and that's what we do in our new members class. So that's just a little bit about what it means in covenant membership. Um, I want, I'm, again, I also shared the reasons why we are in covenant membership with each other, the blessings that we receive from covenant membership. So at this time, we want to introduce those who have went through the congregational membership class. And I'm going to do this today without Joe being here. He wanted to be here today, um, but Joe had his, uh, his duties in the military this weekend, so he couldn't be here this morning. So I'm going to run this, well, with Annette. So if Annette will come forward, please. And I'm going to read off your names. And I have a, a, a covenant membership paper here for you. And I have a pen for you to come and, uh, and sign your name on here. So actually, I'm going to have you re read off their names. I'm going to give you the, this. 